Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name is Mike Fenton-Stevens. Hopefully you've listened to this podcast before and know what we do in it. But if you don't, this is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me five things from their life that they'd like to preserve in a time capsule. They can pick four things that they cherish, but they also choose one thing that they'd like to get rid of from their life. Something they'd like to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the wonderful actress Maggie Oldenshaw, who's probably best known for playing Mavis in the BBC sitcom Open All Hours with Ronnie Barker and David Jason, and of course its sequel, Still Open All Hours with David Jason. She's also notably been in the films A Private Function with Michael Palin and Maggie Smith, and played Mary Pierpoint, the wife of the notorious hangman, Albert Pierpoint, in Pierpoint, The Last Hangman, with Timothy Spall, a brilliant and very moving film, as was War Horse, in which she also appears. On telly, she's played a huge variety of roles, from her very first, a tart in The Little Match Girl, right through to the lovely BBC sitcom Scarborough, in which she played a tart. Oh, no, sorry, she played Geraldine, the owner of the hair salon. In between, there's been The Last and The First of the Summer Wine, All Creatures Great and Small, Juliet Bravo, Victoria Wood, Coronation Street, One Foot in the Grave, The House of Elliot, Lovejoy, Doctors Several Times, Holby City, Midsummer Murders Again Several Times, Endeavour, she was the voice of the Queen in 24 episodes of The Little Princess and the voice of Henrietta in Thomas and Friends. And, of course, loads more. Not to mention her theatre work, which I won't, so we can get on with the episode. Apart from her one-woman show, Your Sincerely, a musical play about Dame Vera Lynn, which she's performed all over the world. So here is the wonderfully talented Maggie Olrenshaw and the five things she'd like to put in a time capsule. How are you? Well, I'm fine, apart from the fact that I'm so hot. Oh. I feel like I'm sitting in a Turkish bath. This oh, is ridiculous, man. isn't it? It is ridiculous. It's crazy. I mean, I suppose we've had many years of warnings about it. I but... know, I know. I mean, surely the climate denies 
can't carry on. No, they can't. It's crazy. But it is worrying because you think to yourself, if that's happened that quickly, no, it really, the last couple of years, you've gone, oh, no, this is really obvious now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you think, oh, dear. Yeah. I mean, it's not our problem, really. No, it's the next It's the next generation and, mm. yeah, and after that, yeah, yeah. But that, away is also part of the problem because yeah. people don't get, they only care about themselves. It's very selfish. Yeah. Short-termism, isn't it, kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, we're constantly still pumping money into oil exploration. And you go, I know, I know. It's crazy. But it's people making money now, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Hey ho. So um, now I was very jealous when I saw everybody going up to Scarborough because I had such a brilliant time working on Benidorm. Uh, yeah. I thought to myself, ah, oh, that's going to be the British version. You're all going to be up there. Ah, uh, yes, I bet. Oh, yeah. We were all frightfully disappointed, you know, oh. that it didn't go again. I know. It didn't really make any sense to me, that. It didn't make any sense. It didn't. I mean, I, I saw Darren put something up the other day because somebody had been asking him about it, and he said um, that the BBC had told him that it didn't tick the young demographic. Uh, and, you know, his response to that was, hello, you know, the average age of a BBC viewer is probably something like 61. Yeah. Why does it need to tick? The young demographic. I mean, because they're terrified that all of us are going to just get old and die and there won't be anybody left. Yeah, yeah. So they're desperately trying to bring people in all the time, yeah, which um, yeah. doesn't really make any sense, no. I don't think. And the ratings weren't bad, you know. The ratings were no. quite good. So anyway, sad, sad but true. If you just accept that you're a television company that makes programmes for older people, then then take that market, yeah, go into that absolutely. niche. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because those younger people will get older. And as we know with experience, they will turn into us. Yes. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> Sad, I know, but there you are. <laughs> but, I mean, this podcast is without a doubt not aimed at younger people. I've spoken yeah. to lots of you know, people of my age and older, but we do get younger listeners. Yeah, We yeah. definitely do. We get quite a number of people under yeah. 30 listening yeah. and saying, no, I really find it really interesting yeah. because it's a world that I don't know. Well, of course, the podcast has become quite trendy now, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's radio, really. <laughs> it is. It is. It's radio, but looser. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And you can sort of say what you like. There's no one over your shoulder saying, yeah. oh, no, you can't say no, that. No, 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 no. You go, I feel like saying it, so I'm going to say it. Yeah. And uh, it's very, um, well, it's quite, I find it quite uplifting, the whole thing. Yeah. I didn't know anything about podcasts until I started doing this. Right. And now I really love them. Yeah. I, you know, you can find them on anything. And there's all sorts of stuff, isn't there? I mean, yeah. covering any subject you can imagine. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think it's a brilliant idea, what you've based it on. Was that like just a light bulb moment that suddenly happened? Or It was, Maggie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I was told by my son, come up with an idea. I'll do it for you. He went, come on, Dad, think of an idea. What would you do if you had to talk to people on a podcast? And I said, well, you'd want to look back at things, wouldn't you, a bit? So if they pick five things from their life that they really loved, um, they could put them in a time capsule and then they'd have them forever. And he went, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> and his wife. Just like that. Yeah, his wife said, well, you want to make one of them something they want to forget. So that... Ah, right. A clever, edi- a very clever addition. Yeah. 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 So I said, great, okay. And that was it. That was a, a one-minute conversation. Yeah. And off we went. Brilliant. And how long ago was that? Uh, it's just over two years. Okay, okay. And uh, it's been brilliant right through lockdown. I've been speaking to people. Oh, gosh, yes. A lifesaver during lockdown, I should imagine, Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, when you're thinking, I'm just here on my own now and I'm fed up. Yeah. You know, I had something to do. Yeah, exactly. I had people to speak to. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. As with today, I couldn't go out today. I tried it earlier. I, I have to confess that I'm sitting in my swimming costume. Yeah, good for you. Not because I have a swimming pool, but I have a paddling pool. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and I, I went out and dunked myself in it. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Like some beached whale. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had one. <laughs> yeah. No, my husband and I both sort of ran a tepid bath last night before we went to bed. It's a very good idea. Yeah. Oh, well, the great thing is that this episode will always be very specific. It's very specific where we are yes. and the time of year and everything. Yeah, yeah, Whenever yeah. you listen to it, people will be reminded of this extraordinary yeah. little spate of weather. Yeah. So while we're doing that, let's forget about what's happening now and let's look back at things that you treasure from your life that you'd like to preserve in a time capsule. Yeah. Well, most of them, apart from one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your first thing? Okay, so my first thing is a building. It's um, it's a theatre, actually. Oh, lovely. It's called the Hume Hippodrome, and it's an Edwardian theatre in Manchester. Mm. I, I could bore on about it for ages, but my, my <laughs> personal connection to it is that it's actually the first place that I ever stepped onto a stage. Oh, how old were you? And and I have to put that into the context. I, I'm not quite sure how old I was. I think eight or nine, probably. Mm. And the context is that I was an extremely shy child. I mean, to the extent that I had a stammer and a stutter. What's the difference? I don't know. One of them. Mm. Anyway, so I'm taken to the Hume Hippodrome one Christmas. can't remember what the show was. It comes among some kind or other. And there comes the point where, you know, they say, would anybody, any child like to come up on stage and sing the song? <laughs> yeah. And up went my hand immediately. Wow. And, I mean, I've no idea where that impulse came from because, as I say, I was very shy of the time child. And I think my mother was startled. To <laughs> that. Anyway, off I went and I sang Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, lovely. And I loved it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and kind of the rest is history in a way. No, but it, I'd just like to uh, say a bit about the Hume Hippodrome as well. I mean, I haven't been there since. It's still there. It's a grade two listed building, mm. but it's in very bad state of repair. There's a, a campaign group run by, um, I think he's called Oliver Wilson. He's Tony Wilson's son, right? if you remember who that yeah. was. Yeah. And, they're, and they're trying to raise money. I, I think the roof is the most desperate thing. But but they've got great ideas for kind of returning it to being a community asset, you know, reopening it as a theatre and also having maybe a theatre school there great. and a cafe and, you know, all sorts of stuff. It can be done as well. Yeah. You can transform these places yeah. into real community hubs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, the, apparently um, the Hume Hippodrome was part of a sort of chain of uh, theatres called the Broadhead Circuit, I think, after the guy who started it. And and in Hume, it was was really a working-class district, you know, surrounded Mm. by terraced houses for working-class people. And then there is this palace, virtually, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Um, There's there's a video that that you can see um, on YouTube where somebody takes you around and you, you can still, you know, Rococo plasterwork, gold mirrors, mm. incredible wallpaper, you know. And was it built as an old-time musical type Yeah, place? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all sorts of people played there, you know. It was um, mm. George Formby, 
Gracie Field. Wow. I think even the Beatles. Oh, that's a reason. That's a yeah. reason for keeping it, surely. Yeah. The BBC had it for a time. Can't remember what right. it was exactly. And and then it, it, I think it became a bingo hall and a snooker hall. Mm-hmm. And then it finally closed down in 1986. But, you know, if, if only that program was still around, what was it called? Restoration, was it? Oh, yeah. You know, where people yeah. could nominate buildings. Well, it would be worth it for a community, I think. Yeah. Because, as you say, if it becomes a place where people gather to have coffee, you don't just go there in the evening. Yeah. It pulls in all sorts of people from other areas. That's right, yeah. yeah. Having a theatre where the show finishes at 10.30 at night... People quite often come out at 10.30 and think, well, I'd like something to eat. Yes, yes, yeah. And all the pubs nearby would get a shot in the arm from a yeah, late drinking. indeed, yeah. Well, fingers crossed, you know. that. Yeah, well, and, and maybe at the opening, you should be there. I should go and sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> Fantastic. OK, we're going to put the Hume Hippodrome yeah. in its pomp. In its pomp, it yes, please. Absolutely looking glorious. With its best frock on, yes. Yeah, lovely. Okay, that goes in as the first thing you want to put in the time capsule, Maggie. So what's the second thing? Okay, so the second thing, um, again, it was a toss-up between Main Road (laughs) and egg sandwiches. (laughs) Now, I've had somebody put egg sandwiches in because it's the thing they wanted to get rid of from their life. (laughs) So you're going to have to make a good case for it. (laughs) Well, it's a nostalgia thing, of course, you know, but it it just reminds me of growing up as a kid and I loved picnics. I still do. Mm. But it had to be egg sandwiches and they not not egg mayonnaise, you understand. No. Hard-boiled egg, cut, sliced very neatly on really squishy white bread Mm. with salt and pepper. Right. That was, you know, that was heaven and a flask of tea. (laughs) We lived in a place called Failsworth, which was like halfway between Manchester Centre and and Oldham. Mm. So we could access the kind of moors above Oldham. Uh And I just think of that and I think of, you know, days out. Mm. And that was a thing, wasn't it? used to go on days out. Mm. used to go to Chatsworth a lot. Oh, right, yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, that's very reminiscent. And you can just go to Chatsworth and just walk around the grounds. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to go in the house, yeah. Yes, I've, I've done that. We, d- we did a tour of a play and somebody in the group said, oh, I'm a big walker. And I said, well, I like walking. And then somebody else said, oh, I like walking. He said, shall I organise a walking group? <laughs> <laughs> so on the day we weren't doing a matinee, yeah. we would set off and I remember walking a great big walk right round the grounds of Chatsworth. Lovely. Yes, beautiful. So it was a toss-up between egg sandwiches and main road. Yeah, no, I can see egg sandwiches, but main road, I've got no idea why you'd want that. <laughs> Because you're a Man United fan, aren't you? Yes, I am, yes. So, uh, you know, you know that Main Road was Manchester City's original ground. Indeed. So that was my introduction. That's where I used to go. Mm. Two and six in the Kipak stand, I think. (laughs) Of course, I went with my dad first Mm. because he had a season ticket. Yeah. And that was it. I I fell in love. Well, it's another form of theatre, isn't it? Let's face it. It is. And you do fall in love. You're abs- that's exactly the way to describe it. Yeah. You fall madly in love with the players, the club, the place. Yeah, yeah. And the game. Mm. And, I mean, I, I, of course, now we watch something virtually totally different. I mean, yeah. the artistry, the skill is incredible now. It is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Although I still think that if you put people like, well, Mike Summerby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they had players like that, playing against players. Now, I still think that they had the skill. Yeah. I just think that they played in more difficult times. The the ball was heavier. Yeah. A lot heavier. The pitch was often terrible. Terrible. (laughs) 
So the idea that somebody like George Best could weave in and out of people was fairly impressive, I think. Yeah, oh, indeed, indeed. Yeah, I'll give you that, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you give me George Best then as being of reasonable quality. <laughs> How generous. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, the person that we would both love and in a way hate would be Dennis Law. Uh-huh. Because he yes. moved from Manchester United and then went to Manchester City. Yes. And scored the goal that sent Manchester United down, didn't he? I know. I know. And he'll never kind of be forgiven for that. There's a little personal connection there as well, actually. Oh? Well, I went out with him once. No. <laughs> I bet he was fun, wasn't he? I, I was still at school. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he didn't know that, I'm sure. The, the thing I most remember is that his accent was so thick that I could hardly understand what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified because, you know, I, I was a little schoolgirl and I didn't even know you know, what I should be uh, drinking when he offered me a drink. Mm. And the other thing is it was kind of, um, it was a double date with another of the players in City. And I knew because I had my scrapbook full of, you know, all the players, Mm. I knew this guy was married, you know. And we went to a club in ashton Underline, and the kind of headline woman singer you know, then came and joined us and chat, chat, chat. And it was kind of obvious, even to me, (laughs) that they were an item. And I'm shocked, absolutely shocked. Oh, Lord. There we go. Yes, the mad world of footballers in those days. Indeed, indeed. So I was nearly a wag, but not quite. No, (laughs) nearly. I mean, how would you have coped, though? If you had formed a relationship with him, imagine that, and then he becomes a Man United player. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. The marriage couldn't have survived. It sure. couldn't. It couldn't. <laughs> no, it would have been total disaster. No. He would have moved back to Man City <laughs> long before then. then. <laughs> yeah, he was a marvellous player, though. Oh, certainly. a fantastic player. It's funny, isn't it, those players who, it's not size. He wasn't a huge man, was he? No, and, no, you know, no. And, and yet many of his goals were scored with his head. Yes. Which is extraordinary. And that's just timing and where to run to. Exactly. I, th- I think he's got Alzheimer's now, isn't he, sadly? Like lots of old footballers. That's the heading, isn't it, I think? Yeah. Well, probably a lot to do with it. Yes, heading a waterlogged ball. What's awful about it is that it's because you did something that you loved so much. Yes, indeed. It's yeah. not because you were foolish enough to smoke. No, no, quite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But obviously, as damaging, and I suppose if you think about it for a, a minute, of course it is. You know, mm-hmm. constant using the head like that. Yeah, and as you say, the balls were very different in those days as well, weren't they? Much yes. heavier. But they're completely stopping it for under twelves now, aren't they? I think that's very wise. Mm. Yeah, because their brains are probably still developing as well, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But there may come a time. And this will be a very strange change when, in fact, heading is outlawed in football. Yeah. Maybe they'll change the rules quite significantly and say, OK, you can, if you're jumping for the ball, you can use your hands and we'll turn into Australian rules. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's given me lots of pleasure over the years, I have to say, soccer. What, what's the best game you went to? What's the one that you most remember? Well, I, I think about the last time I actually went to the Etihad, which was uh, last year. Mm. And I was actually behind the goal as well that City scored seven <laughs> against Leeds United. Oh, it's taking the mick, isn't it? I know, I know. <laughs> well, I, I, they are the best team in the world at the moment, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to put in Main Road 
and I'm going to put you in a seat behind the goal. Right. And in your bag beside you is a little thermos <laughs> flask, a cup of tea, and a sealed box, and inside it a beautifully cut egg sandwich with salt and pepper. Heaven, like absolute heaven. <laughs> I can't promise seven goals, but I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. OK, Maggie, what's number three? OK, I hope you're enjoying this episode with the lovely Maggie Olrenshaw. And I'm sorry to interrupt it, but this is the point where we play some adverts in order to raise some much-needed funds to pay for the making of this podcast. If you'd like to hear it without this interruption, you could always become an Acast Plus listener. Still, I know some people enjoy the ads, so here they are. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to part two of My Time Capsule with the actress Maggie Ulrenshaw. Let's find out what else she would choose to preserve in her time capsule. Okay, so number three has to be the horrible, actually, (laughs) maroon Mac, plastic Mac that I wore as Mavis in Open All Hours, (laughs) which was found by the costume uh, woman in the BBC costume store. No. And she put her hand on it and she said, what about this? (laughs) And I knew immediately it was perfect. Mm. And I wore it in every episode in Open All Hours, every single episode. I would just wear a different blouse and sometimes a scarf. Mm. So I was very cheap to dress. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> it's a good move. You keep in it that way. Yeah. And um, and when we came to, of course, do the revival of Still Open All Hours, I wondered if it could be found. But, of course, it had disappeared God knows where. Along with the BBC costume department, sadly. Yes, absolutely, sadly. Mm. Let's not go there. Um, but, um, yeah, but but what I did was I took it as a theme. So all my costumes in Still Open All Hours are in the pink to purple range. <laughs> so that's my way of kind of carrying it on. Oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. She likes pink and purple. She likes pink and purple. What a fabulous part to get, though. Absolutely. I mean, well, it changed my life, you know, no question. 
And thank you, the adorable, wonderful Sydney Lotterby. Amazing man. Who gave me the chance. Mm. And, um, yeah, terrific. Yes. And a chance to work with Ronnie Barker. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. I mean, the man that David calls the governor. Yeah, absolutely. And with good reason. Yeah. Mm. Even when I wasn't necessarily in a scene with him, I would always watch because you could always learn something Mm. incredible. And he was a good actor as well. Apparently, uh, Jonathan, what's his name? Theatre director, Jonathan Miller. Jonathan Miller apparently wanted him to play Malvolio Uh. in his television version and and Ronnie turned it down. And I I think that's so sad. I would love to have seen him do that. He would have been marvellous. He would have been perfect, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. It is that understanding of how funny pomposity is. Yes. That he would have had perfectly. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, when you think of the characters that he created for television, and they're all so different and so absolute, I mean, they're completely believable people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that, uh, that's that got to be the key to comedy, isn't it, really? Mm. It's got to be believable. It's got to be based in truth, yeah. anchor it in truth, and then you can kind of go anywhere, but... It's got to be anchored in truth. You've got to believe it. Yes. Otherwise, nobody else is going to believe it, and it won't be fun. No, absolutely not. No. I wonder, you earlier were talking about having a a stutter or a stammer, Mm -hmm. and I seem to remember somewhere in Open All Hours, I think it was, Mm. a joke that Ronnie Barker told, because he famously had a stutter or a stammer as the character. Yeah. And I remember him saying, it's so unfair to call it a stutter or a stammer. They're both bloody hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think you could write that character now, of course, could you? No, I don't think you would. Would probably not be considered... Politically correct. Exactly. Well, maybe yeah. it wouldn't be, but I, do, I think it depends how it's played, you know? I mean... No, it's a difficult area now, isn't it, I think? Mm. Certainly. I mean, I, mostly I agree with the way things have gone. Mostly, I think that actually you look back on some of the jokes we were making and you think, well, I'm glad we don't make those anymore. Yes, yes. But when it's based in, as you say, a reality of a performance, the skill of that thing is that you don't see it as an affliction. No, yeah. And, of course, it was written brilliantly as well, so you mustn't forget that, you know, Roy Clark. Mm. Yeah, a lot of skill there. And um, I I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about comedy, about how it's kind of regarded almost as kind of a poor relation to drama. Yes. I heard Ben Elton say pretty much the same thing once, and he he said, I blame the Greeks because (laughs) they always used to put, you know, a little comic thing on first as a preamble to the tragedy. (laughs) That's probably true. Yeah. We blame the Greeks for a lot of things, though. Yeah. Taramis Alata, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you've played both areas. You've done very serious drama, yeah. particularly on television and yeah. comedy. And I think probably, as you say, the reason that it works so well is that you don't play either of them at all differently. No, quite. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I think it would be harder to have that kind of career now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people are put into boxes, are typecast yes. much more now. Yeah, so you are sort of expected to just play yourself as yeah. well. The idea of playing a character has yeah. slightly gone away. Yeah. 
And that's one of the reasons you wanted to be an actor, isn't it? Indeed. To, to be different people. I want to wear different wigs. Why would it be me and the same person? <laughs> Why would I be an actor? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is frustrating, isn't it, when they say, well, yes, but you're not from Manchester, are you? You say, yeah, but I, you know, I'm sure I could learn the accent. I'm sure I could do it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, although yeah. I think probably earlier on in this recording, I demonstrated I can't. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so that Mac. Yeah, that Mac. Definitely. And what an extraordinary thing, the rebirth of that programme. Yes, yes. Um, I think that was probably, wasn't it David's idea? I think, didn't he suggest to Roy Clark that they might revive it? Almost certainly, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And once you say something to somebody like that and David says, yes, I want to do it, yeah. the BBC are going to jump at it. Yeah. And it's proved to be fantastically successful. And, I mean, yeah. just a, a lovely cast of people as well. Oh, amazing. Tim Healy is one of my favourite men in the world, you know, and Jeffrey Whitehead. Yes. And yes. It's another one of those programmes I watch every week and go, oh, wish I was in yes, this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's on the way of all flesh now, I don't think. Uh, Indeed. I don't I know. know. We were never told a definite no, but, you know, it's a couple of years now. I don't think it's going to happen again. Yeah. There you go. I will. You will never see Mavis married to Granville, sadly. Uh, in our minds. <laughs> in our minds, yes. yes. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll put that in as the third thing. So we're moving on to the fourth thing. We've got one more good thing to go in and one you want to get rid of. So uh, my next good thing, it, it's got to be something to do with New York, which is a place I fell in love with in the 80s and remain so. Mm. I, there's just something about that city that I absolutely love. It's always like an energy injection. Everything seems to work out well when I'm there. I don't know. I love it. I love it like a person. So I've chosen a place called Katz's Deli, which is a, an old Jewish deli, mm. corner of Ludlow and East Houston Streets. And it's been there since 1888. And they managed to survive, particularly during the war, with a slogan, which actually worked for them, which said, send a salami to your boy in the army. <laughs> Brilliant. And I've got a T-shirt from Katz's Deli with that on the back. And, and they have that logo on, on the front of the restaurant. Yeah, it's it's fab. It's it's so old style. It's also I don't know if you rem do you remember the film when Harry met Sally? Yes. You remember the orgasm scene? Is that film there? That takes place in Katz's Deli. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's perfect, and that's one of the most copied scenes on the internet, isn't it? it Everybody did. seems yeah, to do yeah. that. Yeah, and you can see. Yes, it's brilliant, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful when a single line from a film becomes iconic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll have what she's having. What she's having, yeah. You can use that line anytime you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know that was um, the director's mother? It was Rob Reiner's mother. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, there's a film I must rewatch. It's almost perfect, that film. Yeah. So uh, what took you to New York in the 80s? Uh, I got very friendly with a woman who I met over here through Martin Sherman. So I visited her first in New York, and she was... Um, uh, a radio producer and she had her own company mm. and you know this was in the 80s and that was like boom advertising times she was making loads of money we yeah, had such fun <laughs> we went all over the place and did crazy things and uh, it was just marvelous mm. and I mean what I remember as well is the the freedom I used to describe it as I'm a British person 
who has to deal with a set menu. And I come to New York, I go to America, and it's like, oh, you can have what you want. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite difficult to deal with, actually. Mm. You know, because you're so used to, oh, yeah, this is what you can have. And yeah, you'd be presented with a menu that looked like a novel, <laughs> and then somebody would want something that wasn't even on the menu, you know. <laughs> Yes, it is that thing of, well, that we now have here, but the idea that you walk into a coffee shop and everybody orders something slightly different. That's right. Is anybody just going to say a, a cup of coffee, please? Yeah. And I, um, I I lived in New York for a time in 98. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first day going to the coffee shop on the corner and thought, you know, I'll have a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what kind, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And uh, and Judy, my friend, said, "Oh, you've been to the assertiveness training centre on the corner, then." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've I, sadly I've only ever been to New York once in my life, oh, right. and I went right in the middle of winter. So in fact, it's right. quite severe the winters in. Uh, yes, yes, indeed, yes, yes. I've seen them skiing down Eighth Avenue in the snow. <laughs> I think yeah. we could have done on that trip. Yes. Yeah. What's the other thing? You could go to the movies at midday. <laughs> mm. I know. I mean, it was just like being in a, a sweet shop. Yes. I mean, London's become much more like New York now, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It has, yeah. It's not so kind of special as it was, but it still has a certain something. Mm. And uh, I got married in New York as well. Wow. Yeah. When? In 2007. That was my second oh. marriage, yeah. Yeah, it has lots of wonderful memories. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to go back because, of course, I haven't really... Well, I, we now have been away once. We, we had a little holiday in Trieste for a few days, but that's the first time we'd been anywhere out mm. of the country, of course, for about two and a half years. Yes. You can absolutely get out of the habit, can't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I love I love travel anyway. Mm. And being somewhere different is fabulous. Yeah, I mean, uh, the United States of America is so huge and vast that I think you can treat each part of it as a different country. Well, it is virtually, yeah. The East Coast and the West Coast. I mean, chalk and cheese. Yeah. And then a bit in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll take Katz's Deli if I can't take the whole of New York. That'll be my symbol of my long-lasting love affair. May it never end. Yes. I'll put your table in the window. Okay. <laughs> and at least you can watch New York go by. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so finally we have to put in something that you either regret from your life or you'd like to get rid of, forget about. Yeah, and um, it's not very lighthearted, this, I'm afraid. That's all right. But um, it, it it's a kind of haunting thing. And when I think about it, I can't sort of believe that it happened because it sounds like a scene out of Dickens, okay? So when I was at grammar school, um, in the fourth form, one of uh, the girls got pregnant, right? Mm. She was made to stand halfway up a staircase and with the headmistress watching the whole scene, all the fourth form streams were instructed to file past and as they actually went past her, we had to turn our heads and look at her and then turn away again. Wow. I just think that is so horrific. I often wonder what happened to that poor girl, you know, mm. what, what, how traumatic, how awful. And her child. Yeah. I also think, you know, what about the rest of the teachers? Did they, did they question it in the staff room? Did anybody say, this is appalling, you know, you can't do this? Mm. I don't know. 
And what is it that that headmistress saw in that girl that deserved that sort of yeah. extreme punishment? Extreme. What had she done? Yeah. yeah. She'd had sex. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, of course, you know, in those days, she may not even really have known what she was doing. No, no, quite. No, awful. And and I, it, it made me feel ashamed that I had towed the line, as it were, and done it, you know. Mm. But it, it, it stayed with me, and I, and I do think it contributed to kind of me changing a bit after that and not being such a goody-goody, becoming a bit of a rebel mm. and being gobby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's awful, that ritual humiliation that happened yes, in school. Yes, exactly what it is. And can still happen in schools, I think, sadly. Yeah, that's a good description, yeah. Ritual humiliation. Yes. Ugh, that woman, that headmistress, Gladys Bradley. Ah. Uh, Long dead now, I'm sure, obviously. Mm. But, um, you know. Ugh. I wonder if she ever regretted it. I wonder if she ever saw the error in what she'd done. Mm, I doubt it. No. My, I doubt it. I really doubt it. I, I think if you were the sort of person that could even do that, <laughs> you know. Yes. I don't think you'd be the sort of person who would have second thoughts or regret it. No. Anyway, we'll bury that, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Let's bury that. That's really awful. That poor girl, and you do, as you say, you wonder what became of her, how she regarded her life after that, how she regarded herself. Yeah, exactly. Did she take that on board and see herself as somebody who was clearly, I mean, she was standing there and everybody was saying, you are a slut. Yeah, you, yeah you've done a terrible thing. A terrible You're thing. awful. Yeah. Yeah. And would she have then said, yep, yeah, that is me, that is what I'm like. Yeah. And, and in a way, quite often, these accusations that are made of people, they become self-fulfilling, don't they? They do, they do. And especially at that age as well, you know. Yeah. Terrible. Anyway, dig deep. I will dig deep. Very deep. It's gone right down deep down there. Nobody's <laughs> going to find it, don't you worry. That's gone, and you can forget about it. Good. There we are, Maggie. OK, thank you very much for talking to me. It's been really nice to see you on this baking day. Yes. <laughs> we we both lost about ten pounds while we've had this conversation. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's called the podcast diet. <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to my time capsule with me, Mike Fenton Stevens, and my guest, Maggie Olrenshaw. You'll find the opportunity on your podcast player to click on the subscribe button next to this episode, and that will mean that you receive all future episodes as they're released. Of course, it's up to you whether you listen to them, but at least you'll know they're there. And if you do download them, it will help us to fund the making of this podcast, which I hope is something you'd like us to continue to do. Please do tell your friends if you've had fun, and don't forget to actually like the podcast, as they call it usually by clicking on five stars. Thanks very much. You might even want to go to the trouble of writing a small review. We're always delighted when somebody does, although we can only let them know that in this way, rather than telling them personally, which I suppose is the policy the podcast providers adopt in order to stop us abusing anyone who says they don't like it. <laughs> as if we would. Indeed, as if there would be anyone who didn't like it. <laughs> the very thought. Actually, if you do like it, then why not follow me or my time capsule on social media, which in our case is Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And then you can let us know directly. You will, without fail, get a reply of thanks. I promise. If you enjoyed the theme tune, and why wouldn't you, it's available to listen to all on its own on Spotify, so you don't have to listen to me talking all over it. This cast-off production was produced for Acast by our very talented producer, 
John Fenton Stevens. What a lovely name. Right, our next episode, in fact episodes, there are two of them, are with one of the greatest broadcasters this country has known, in my opinion, a man who could talk the hind legs of an entire herd of donkeys. Hence the two episodes. So look out for Danny Baker coming your way. In the meantime, have fun, grab life by the scruff of its neck and always follow your dreams. Except that one where you're naked in the supermarket. Bye. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.